Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. I really empathize with people who are working a corporate job and just don't know where they're going to find the time to do this. Okay. But I don't have a lot of sympathy for it. And I certainly don't try to encourage that kind of thought. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. Uh, it's good to be here with you. I really do appreciate you guys showing up like this and uh, just enjoying the content and just being here. It gives me a great pleasure to know that I'm hopefully helping people out there. So uh, glad you're here today. We have another awesome Q&A uh, replay for you. We talked about, among other things, obviously, there's a lot. This is a long uh, Q&A. Uh, but some of the highlights are we talked about house hacking. We talked about quitting your W-2. Um, we, we talked about skip tracing. What does that look like? Who to go to? I, I gave you my, uh, in this Q&A, I gave you my uh, best source for, for skip tracing. And uh, we talked about finding time to start your business when you're already busy anyway, right? A lot of people have a full-time job and, you know, spouse and kids and responsibilities and obligations and all these things, right? Like, how do you find time to carve out time for your your business that you're trying to start? What does that look like? How do you do that? I went through that. I know how that feels and I know uh, some strategies to help you get through that. So that's some of the things that we talked about, guys. I really hope you enjoy this. I think it was a really, really good one. And I'm excited that I'm able to replay it for you here today. So enjoy. Okay, we're live. We are here. Uh, all right. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for being back. I appreciate it, guys. It is a blast being here with you every uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time and uh, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that's when we do this, as you know. And I'm just getting my screen ready here so I can see what you guys are saying. All right. Okay, guys, uh, I got your questions. Uh, you guys have DM'd me. Uh, I think we had maybe some left over from last time we did this, and I want to get those answered. Uh, like I said, I'm here every Wednesday, and I do this because I get questions. People send me messages through social media. They email me um, through my podcast, which is Just Start Real Estate. If you listen to podcasts, you should check it out. Um, I get it here on Facebook. And so what I decided to do, because answering these questions one-off, like when someone asks me, just sending them back an answer, can get time-consuming. Obviously, it gets, you know, gets to be kind of tough to keep up with that. So uh, I decided to start kind of you know, consolidating those and bringing them here for you. And, and that way everyone can benefit from the answer. And so that's why I do this. If you guys really though need help in your business, like real help, like hands-on, 
you know, a little bit more actual back and forth interaction with me and you, and you want to figure out how to get that business off the ground or to how to take it to the next level and to do some of the things that you kind of wanted to do. And you, you always thought it could do, but you're struggling to get there. I get it. I've been there. I struggled for a handful of years before I made some changes and, and figured out what I was doing wrong. And I didn't do it by myself. I got help. People helped me do that. People that I still look to as mentors and and really close friends were able to get me to that point. I couldn't do it by myself. You just can't. I don't believe uh, that anyone achieves anything truly, truly great without support, without help, without someone to lean on a little bit. So I want to be that person for you. If you want me to be that for you, uh, you can go to find and fund blueprint. That's find and fund blueprint.com. If you go there, check it out. That is my course. Uh, my commitment to you is that I am going to help you do those things in your business. I'm going to help you teach you how to set your business up, how to set the foundation, who to hire, when to hire. But maybe most importantly, and what people tend to lose sight of sometimes is uh, real estate investing is about finding deals and getting them funded and getting paid, right? And so that's what we're going to focus on in this course the most, how to find deals and how to make sure you have all the funding you need to, to purchase those as rentals, as flips. If you're a wholesaler, we're going to get into buyer's lists and what that means and how that's kind of the currency of, of wholesaling is really the buyer's list. And so we're going to get deeply into that. And I'm going to help you set all that stuff up. I know you probably have a lot of questions about how do we do that and what's taught in the course. Go to findandfundblueprint.com and I hopefully can answer all those questions there. Uh, if not, you can reach out directly, but I really like to see you guys in the course because I know it's going to change so many lives, so many businesses, and I want yours to be uh, one of those. So uh, digging into tonight's questions, let's, let's dive right into those. Uh, let's see here. First one, my wife and I are looking to expand our portfolio and hopes to go full time with real estate investing. Cool. I have been working uh, at the same W-2 job for 12 years and his wife is a, looks like a real estate agent. Uh, we currently have one rental and house hacked our current home, which is currently under contract to sell. Cool. One rental, one house hack. Love it. Once the, once the house closes, we plan to burr as many houses as our capital will let us. I'm also hoping to liquidate my 401k so we can use that money. Do you have some advice or opinions on that strategy? Um, I, it sounds like you guys have a great strategy. You've already got... Um, You've already got one rental and you've house hacked another property. I assume that's going to, you know, you're going to get some cash from that that you can use. You've got a 401k. Uh, I, I won't, I don't want to get too deeply into the 401k and cashing that. What's it mean? What are the penalties? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a CPA, so I don't want to give you advice there. Uh, but I will tell you, and I've really never even taught, I don't think I've ever said this before to anybody, but uh, I cashed out my 401k. I worked at a W job for a number of years too, about the same amount. Uh, that you're working and and I cashed mine out. I took the hit because I knew that I was going to do more in real estate than I was going to do with my 401k, the where, where it was. So uh, I took that out as well, took a hit on that, but it was worth it to me. So advice is is keep pushing, like don't get discouraged. Things are going to come up. I totally, you know, I, I know that and you know that I'm sure too. Um, but the burst strategy is great. And it sounds like from the sale of the house that you just house hacked, that will give you that gap funding. So if you go to like a hard money lender or something like that, they're going to typically lend you maybe up to 90%, 80 or 90% of the purchase price. And then you can use the money that you're going to get from your house hack as that gap funding. So you can put down that 10 or 20% or whatever 
uh, the funding you know institution that you're going to. If you if you get you know if you're able to raise private money. Now, you don't necessarily need that money as a down payment. A lot of times, private money, you can negotiate the entire purchase, the entire renovation, and have all payments deferred until you close on the house, until you actually you know, sell the, the investment or the flip that you're doing. So if you're going to flip, but if you're not going to flip, then yes, you definitely are going to want that money for down payment if you're going to continue uh, to hold them as rentals, which it sounds like that's what you're doing. You want to continue with the burr. So yeah, I think that's great. Stretch that that money out that you have as far as you can as down payments because I don't know how much you're going to have. You didn't disclose that here, but it's totally fine. But you you don't need a lot for the down payments when you're doing the burr method, right? You just you just need, you know, 10, 15 maybe percent and you can stretch that out for for a long way. And then when you refinance, obviously you get that money back. And sometimes if you buy it really really well, when you refinance it out, you can even get some cash back in your pocket, right? Which will help you further finance down payments. So I think you've got the right plan. I think I think it sounds to me like you're so far, you're doing everything right. I just say, keep the, keep the pedal down. Don't, don't slow up. Don't stop. Don't start second guessing yourself. Uh, if the market starts to turn and real estate prices go down, that's a good thing for investors. Okay. So don't get all freaked out. Because the media will tell you at some point if, if the market does turn or if it crashes, which I don't know that it's going to. I don't think anybody really thinks it's going to. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of articles of people saying it's going to crash. I don't know if it's going to crash. I'm, I'm not predicting that. But if it does, even if it does, the and specifically if it does, the media will be yelling, you know, real estate's bad. Get away from it. You know, you're going to lose money. That's when you want to rush in, right? Real estate investors, we sort of rush into the burning house when everyone else is rushing out. And that's how we get prices. Like if I would have, I've said this a million times, but if I would have known back in 2008 when I started what I know now, I would have 10X'd my business easily, maybe more than 10X, maybe 50X'd. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So I did the best I could. But looking back, there was such an opportunity back then that I didn't take advantage of because I just didn't know I was new. Um, so when real estate turns, if it turns, keep going. You're you're going to be okay. Okay. Next question. Any suggestions on how to find the owner of an abandoned property? Is this what is referred to as skip tracing? Do I have to pay for a service because I would only need to do this a couple of times a year? Um, a couple questions in there. Um, do I have a suggestion of how to find an owner of an abandoned property? Yes. Is this referred to as skip tracing? Yes. Do I have to pay for a service, even if you're going to only use it a couple times a year? No. So uh, there's a million. If you type in skip tracing into Google, the, just you know, hundreds of, of probably tens of thousands of responses and hundreds of companies. Uh, but there's one that I use that I would recommend. I feel good recommending it. I happen to know the person who, who runs the company, who owned it, who started it. I don't get any, I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. I get nothing from it. But uh, if you go to leadfusion.com, that's L-E-A-D-F-U-Z-I-O-N. So it's lead fusion with a Z. Um, go there. It's not a subscription. You just pay for what you need. And uh, and they're great. I, I think they're competitive even on the, on the bordering on very inexpensive compared to a lot of places. But I know that they're also really, really good. Like they do a really good job. They have integrity. They stand behind their lists, like all that stuff. So I would go to Lead Fusion for that if I were you. Okay. Uh, finding an investment property is one of my top priorities right now, but I'm concerned I might not have the proper time to dedicate to finding a deal because of my current job. Uh, 
I know that you started investing while you were still working your corporate job, but how did you make it work? I feel like I have so little free time. All right. Again, sometimes with these questions, I would have, I would really want to ask a couple of qualifying additional questions. But here's what I'll say. I, I've, I've said this a lot um, over the last few years, and I'll repeat it again. I really empathize with people who are working a corporate job and just don't know where they're going to find the time to do this. Okay. But I don't have a lot of sympathy for it. And I certainly don't try to encourage that kind of thought because here's what I know. And I'll tell you guys a quick, quick, tiny story just to illustrate my point. I know a bunch of people named Bill, but I know two people specifically named Bill um, who wanted to get into real estate investing. And one of them had a full-time job uh, and a son. And the other one had, they flew for the Navy active. And so they were up in the sky flying an airplane a lot of the week, married one kid and another son on the way who he knew was going to have multiple heart surgeries necessary, a lot of, of uh, medical issues. And in order to deal with those medical issues, he had to move his family from Pensacola, Florida to Nashville to be closer to the hospitals that were the best in the nation to deal with the physical um, and, and uh, medical issues that his son was going to have. Uh, the first bill um, never ended up flipping. He, he just didn't have time. The second bill with uh, flying for the Navy, being in an airplane, you know, some, I worked a full-time job, but I could make calls during the day if I was sneak away here and there, but he was in the sky. He had a son, he had a wife, and he had a son with tons of medical issues. And he had to move his whole family from one state to another. He flipped 68 houses that year. So what I would challenge to the person who asked this question is, you said in the first sentence, finding an investment properties is one of my top priorities. Look at your week. Look at what you're doing. I don't know your work week. Are you working 80 hours a week and you have five kids at home, uh, you know, and you're a single father? Like, I, I don't know how bad it is, but if you have a normal life where you're working 40 to 60 hours a week and you have a family, there is time. I promise you. When I started real estate investing, I worked full time, you know, between 40 and 60 hours. Um, I had three kids. I was married. Um, at the time I was actually, um, teaching martial arts. I, I taught three days a week. Um, and so it can be done. I, I know that it can be done. You just have to really, really analyze what your priorities are. And what I do typically, if, if someone tells me they don't have time, I challenge them to do an exercise that I discovered about a year ago. Whenever you say to yourself or to somebody else, I don't have time to, right? And then whatever, fill in whatever that thing is that you don't have time to do. I don't have time to find an investment property. Change, I don't have time to, change that part of the sentence to, it's not a priority for me to. Okay, so I don't have I, I don't have time to find an investment property. It's not a priority for me to find an investment property, right? Now, when you say it that way, it sort of changes how it feels. It's it's 
people are used to commiserating in our society about, oh, I don't have time. There's no time. I'm guilty of it sometimes. People ask me, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? I don't have time, right? It's my response. But I think when we decide, we decide what we have time for and what we prioritize, right? Because if an emergency came up in your family, you know, if you have kids and, and maybe there was an emergency with one of your kids or your spouse or your, your mom or dad or brother, you would find the time to take care of that emergency because it would immediately go to the top of the priority list. And so you just have to figure out where finding an investment property falls in, in the priority list. I really believe most people waste a lot of time, myself included, guilty. I, I, I have been known to waste a lot of time and then claim I'm busy, right? We all do it. It's human nature for a lot of us. And so you have to really just analyze how important it is to you and, and start moving things around or eliminating things that you do that aren't a priority. If you watch any level of TV at all, maybe change that, right? If you, you know, go out with your friends on Friday nights, eliminate that. If you, you know, typically like eating lunch and, and quiet, peace and quiet, and not like eliminate that. So when I was working a nine to five or, you know, more specifically an eight to six kind of a job, I worked before I went into work. I took care of as much as I could. I did as much toward my business as I could on every lunch hour. Every lunch hour was me trying to put time into my real estate business from the moment I went to lunch to the moment I got back, I was really working on my business. And the minute I left work, I was working on my business. I was going and visiting houses. Um, I was calling back realtors. Like I was, I was doing, I was hustling my butt off before, during lunch and after work and on the weekends. Everything else had to take a back seat for a while because I was trying to build something. So you just have to really analyze what you're doing with your day and your time. Like I said, if you're working 80, 90 hours a week or just some like unbelievable, crazy, crazy, crazy work schedule, you may have to wait until that lightens up a little bit or find someone that can work with you. But under normal circumstances, a normal job, you know, or a job where you work normal hours, at least reasonable hours, a wife or a husband and kids and a dog and a house, like I had all that. Everybody has all that and tons of people do it. So it can be done. You just have to really be honest with yourself and be very self-critical and self-aware about how important it is. Now, if you, if you do all that analysis and you say, I, don't, I still don't have time. Okay, you don't have time. So move on, do something else, you know, figure out something that doesn't take time because this will take some of your time. It just, it just does. So if it's important to you, you'll find time. And that, that may sound harsh, I'm telling you, it, it, I've, I've heard, heard too many people tell me they don't have time. And then when I kind of dig in a little bit, I find out they have time. They're just, they would rather not give up their, their social activities or their just free time or playing, you know, Xbox or bowling night or whatever it is, right? Like they just don't want to give that stuff up. They don't want to give up their leisure and social activities. That's totally fine. You don't have to, unless you want to do something different with your life and then you have to. Okay, next one. Uh, all right, this one came through the chat from uh, Tommy Clifford. Hey, Tommy, what is your favorite thing to add to a flip that gives the biggest return on investment, i.e. kitchen remodel, bathroom remodel, backyard deck? Well, you hit two of them, kitchen and bathroom models. Those are huge. Um, you know, but those are obvious. I, I think, hopefully you know that, that you have to do kitchen and bathroom models. 
those are the ones that's that's the low hanging fruit. It's ex, they're expensive. Those are some of the bigger expenses, but those are those are I think the ones that are like obvious and most people know. But some things that I like to do to flips that not everyone does, and it's it's really interesting because I think they have they have a disproportional impact on the saleability of your of your flip than a lot of other things like kitchen and bathroom. So kitchen and bathroom, you have to do those because they have huge impact and they cost a lot of money. But there's other things that can have a big impact psychologically that don't cost that much. So for example, on most houses, because I'm buying houses, typically if I'm flipping a house, it was built somewhere between 1940 and 1970, right? Somewhere in there. It's been repainted, you know, dozens of times. Uh, it's had kids and animals and stuff chewing at the baseboards and kicking or whatever. So I replace all the baseboards and the and the toe molding or the, the shoe molding, whatever you want to call it, all around, right? Because it just makes it pop. I also replace nine, 95 times out of 100, all the interior doors, all the hardware, even if they're in okay shape. Typically, a door that was installed in 1965 is just like a slab door or it's just dated looking, right? So you pull those out, you put six panel doors in with brand new trim, brand new hardware, it pops. All new lights, even if the lights are in good shape, all new lights because it modernizes the house a little bit, makes it pop. We certainly paint almost every single time without question because fresh paint, it just, it, it feels new, it smells new, right? So everyone knows like paint, carpet, uh, bathrooms and kitchens. I get that. But I'm talking about the little stuff, uh, the outlet covers, change them. If the outlets have been painted over and they're like black or, you know, whatever, brown or some other color that was the wall was painted and somebody just slopped over it, I replace the receptacles so that they're all white with white covers, clean. They pop away from that, that, that paint job you just did. Same thing with like, like the base molding, like I said, all the hardware handles on everything, uh, doors and all the light fixtures, all that little stuff I change, it makes a big difference. It doesn't maybe make as big a difference as a new kitchen, but it makes a huge difference. You can go into a house that has brand new kitchen, brand new carpeting or, or flooring, whatever it is, brand new paint, brand new bathroom, you know, brand new furnace, like everything is new. And then you have this molding that's, you know, like got dents in it and it's chipped and you know it's just it, you can tell it's been painted a hundred times over like it looks it just it's a bummer and so i replace all that kind of stuff it's little it doesn't cost a lot relative to everything else that you're doing in the house but it makes a difference it makes it look finished that's the big thing it makes it look totally finished a new kitchen with old molding and old doors doesn't look finished so replace that stuff that's my opinion all right next question uh, can you enlighten me with a breakdown of holding costs? What do you pay? The price of the loan, utilities? Okay, maybe. Okay. Is there anything else? Yeah. So here's here's generally what holding costs refer to and what you're going to be paying. So the price, the, the cost of the loan, right? A lot of times loans have monthly payments that are that are due. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, if it's private money, you may not have to pay a, a cost every month. They might just defer that until the end. You pay one lump sum at the end. But if you have a loan where you have to make payments, that's a big one, right? Loan payments, that's huge. That's one of the bigger ones. Um, utilities is another, uh, is another holding expense. Insurance is another holding expense. Taxes is another holding expense. 
And then depending on what part of the country you're in, maybe snow removal is another expense. Lawn care, getting the lawn, you know, getting it mowed so the city doesn't come around and fine you and, and mow it themselves and charge you $500 to mow a lawn. Um, so that's it. I mean, the lawn care and the snow removal, those are those are probably smallish for the most part. Um, taxes can be big for sure, depending on where you are. Insurance, utilities, and, and the loan, right? So there's a lot. You add that up. You know, the loan is probably a, probably the biggest single thing you have to pay every month. But utilities, insurance, taxes, lawn care, snow removal. You add all those up, and and then times that by you know an an ex, you know extraordinary amount of months. You know, you're flipping this house, and it it takes 10, 12 months. That adds up. That becomes a lot, right? So holding costs can kill you after a while. So, uh, the, but those are the holding costs that I typically see. There, there could be more, maybe a few more here and there that are maybe a little more specific to certain areas. But that's the, you know, it could HOA fees is another one I didn't put on there. HOA fees if you're in a uh, in an area that has that. So, you know, there it adds up. Um, so, so you want to you know when you're doing a flip, you really have to try to get it done as soon as possible. And if you plan for four weeks, expect it to take six or eight. So you really want to try to dial that down as far as you possibly can, knowing that things may and probably will come up from time to time. You got to dial those in and get them as close to, you know, being done immediately as possible. It's just huge. Speed is just speed is so important in real estate. Okay. Next question. And it looks like the last one. This is going to be a short episode. Um, so let's, let's see what we got here. Unless somebody else in the chat has questions and we can answer that. But um, let's see. I, I live in an area that is declining and it doesn't have a lot of opportunities for investing. I'm considering longer distance, invest, distance investing, uh, but don't know how to go about learning about new areas without being there. Should I take the time to go to some events and network or work harder to find properties in my home area? I have a buy and hold property, but really want to scale things up pretty quickly. Okay. This is actually not, you know, finding out about the area is, is, a, is probably a whole, you know, it's a whole call in itself, probably. But you can use sources like, um, there's a service called ListSource, ListSource.com. If you go there, you can find a lot of information about how many, how many deals were done, how many houses were purchased and sold. Um, you can go on a lot of times on the state websites and find out some of this information. If you're a, a realtor, you can you can find that information. But really, it sounds like you want to buy and hold properties. And I'll, I'll tell you, I I'm not again, I'm not an affiliate for this for this company. I don't get anything from them. But if you're buy and hold and you want to buy outside of your market and you don't know anything about it, probably one of the easiest, most convenient ways to do it is to use a company, use a service called Roofstock. Roofstock, their whole model is it's a it's a it's a marketplace for rental properties and they do all that legwork for you. They they do all the research on the market, on the neighborhoods, crime, um, they do an inspection of the house. I believe they still have a rent guarantee, so I think they guarantee the rent in the first year or something. That might have changed, don't quote me, but um, I know that was always a thing with them. They had a rent, a rent guarantee. So you had some assurances. So it's a great place to go and look at properties. You can see pictures. Uh, you know that it's been inspected by a third party and it's a turnkey investment. So you can buy a property that's already rented. You know what the rents are. You you can see that the lease, you know, has got another year or however long it has on it. Like 
and they do all the work for you. So if you want to ramp up your buy and hold in another state, I strongly suggest you go and try Roofstock first before you start doing like all the legwork, all that yourself, and then trusting some realtor or some investor in a state that you've never been. To be honest with you, when they're getting a commission from selling to you, which I know Roofstock gets paid too when you buy buy properties, but still, I, I know that Roofstock is a, is a legit company. I've used them to mostly sell properties, but I know what they put me through when I was selling properties with them, right? It wasn't super duper. I mean, it was it was easy enough, but it wasn't like nothing. They didn't take my word for anything. They went and did their due diligence and made sure that if there was work that had to be done to the property, that it was getting done and that it was being done by licensed contractors and that they had to see the receipts. Like it's all so above board and all that work's done for you. I would go check them out. I mean, like I said, I don't get anything from telling you to go check out Roofstock, but I know that they're a good service, so I, I want to definitely recommend them. Uh, and I go check them out. Now, um, the other question was, should I work harder to find something in my own state? I mean, if you, you know your area better than I know it, obviously, because you didn't mention it, but <clears throat> there's a good chance I wouldn't know it anyway. Um, yeah, keep looking around you. That's If that's where you want your properties, and I, I, there's good reasons to have them around you, you can go visit them easier. You know, they're just closer, so that a lot of that stuff is convenient. But um, I would try Roofstock first. And then if the stuff in your area, if it's a declining area or it's just not great for whatever reason, like you know that area better than me. So I say, go to Roofstock and try them first. That, that's what I would do. But you asked about going to events and networking, 100%. Like whether you want to go out of state or not out of state, whether you want to fix and flip or buy and hold, definitely go to events and network. That's such, such a good idea anyway. But I would go to Roofstock to try to scale up that buy and hold out of state. That would be my opinion. Okay. Uh, Juan Michael says, ever deal with manufactured homes? So when you say manufactured homes, if you're still on, do you mean like trailer homes or do you mean like pre-built homes that are built in a factory? They, they bring them out on trucks and assemble them on site. I, I'm thinking when you say manufactured home, I, I'm thinking that you mean trailer homes that you'd find like in a trailer park. Um, because sometimes people put those homes on land, on private land and sell them like a house. Um, but I guess the answer to your question, regardless of which one you're talking about, and they're going to type it in here for me in a second, but regardless of which one you're talking about, I don't have a lot of experience, right? Trailer homes and manufactured homes, my understanding, and I, this is just, I'm in Michigan, right? But I've, okay, pre-built on foundation. Yeah. Um, I've always heard that pre-built manu manufactured home, pre-built on a foundation. I've always heard that as long as they're on a foundation, they are the same as a stick built house that's built on site. It's just because they're built off site, it doesn't make them less of a home, right? It doesn't, doesn't change anything. Um, in fact, honestly, I've heard people tell me who, who do deal with manufactured homes that a lot of times manufactured homes are actually better built there's a lot more quality control that goes on in a factory where these things are like coming off an assembly line. If you can imagine people coming to your house and building a car for you in your garage, as opposed to it rolling off of the lines at Ford or Chrysler, where they have, you know, quality controls and checks on top of checks and redundant, you know, quality controls and all this stuff. And like a process that's repeatable, you know, to be accurate, you know, one out of a, a million def, de, uh, defects or whatever, like these, these pre-built homes that are built in a factory and then brought out a lot of times they're, you know, I've heard they're better, better quality than a stick built home. But 
I don't think there's any difference as long as they're on land and, and there's a foundation, then I think they're just like any other house. I, I would, I would have no issues at all. Matter of fact, I would be willing to bet I have purchased manufactured homes that were on a foundation. I didn't even know it. So um, yeah, more of a rehab. Okay. For a flip in a, yeah, I think it's a good idea, man. I do. I, I have no problem with pre-built homes. I, I think Honestly, uh, I think, like I said, they're, they're built better sometimes. And like I, I also said, I, I know that I've probably purchased them and didn't even know it because they were on a foundation and they're, there's really, there's really no obvious signs that it's a, that it's a, a manufactured home and that I know of, you know, they look exactly the same. So I, I see no problem with it personally. I mean, take it for what it's worth. I don't have a lot of experience with them that I know of, but I don't think there's any issue with, with manufactured homes. Now, trailer homes, totally different thing. That's not what you're asking about. So no, I would have no issues with it, man. I, I've never dealt with them, but um, yeah. Okay. My team just texted me. <laughs> I do have one. Uh, it's a rental that I have that is a, a, a manufactured home. Uh, I bought it traditionally. I, it, 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 you can get a traditional loan for it. Um, it's great. It's in great shape. It looks great. So yeah, I, uh, I have no qualms with it. I've done it. Right. So nope, I don't think there's any issue with it, man, I, at all. I, I don't see any issue at all, but you know, take, take it for what it's worth. I don't have a lot of experience with them. Although I do have one as it turns out. Um, it's always great when your team can tell you what you have and you don't even know yourself because you know, you have a, you have a business that runs without you having to be involved in every little detail. So there you go. Proof, proof of concept, right? You can build a business with a team that you don't have to babysit 24 seven and things get done. And then your team can just tell you when you don't know what you're talking about, like we just did. So, um, all right, guys, that's all for tonight. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for the questions. I appreciate it, guys. Those of you who asked questions live, uh, for those of you who didn't, um, I still appreciate your questions coming in. If you're listening to this on the podcast, check me out on my Facebook page, Just Start Real Estate on Facebook. And you can come here and get your questions answered live. We're here every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And again, go to findandfundblueprint.com. I want to help you with your business. I want to help you. I want your business to explode. I want you to get that time freedom. I want you to get that financial freedom. But I can't do it if you don't sign up. Go sign up. I would love to see you inside of there, guys. All right. Until next time, we will uh, we'll see you and get out there and make it happen. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.